0: Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, let's open those up to Acts chapter 3. chapter 3 this morning. Looks like most of everybody's there, so let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, last week when we opened your word, we saw that your church was devoted to several things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to time together in fellowship. They were devoted to communion. They were devoted to prayer. Or They were together in all things. They were all about selfless acts. And It's my desire that this church would be known for our devotion, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we just can't get enough of you. That we just can't get enough of your word and that we can't get enough of our time together. We can't get enough of spending time in prayer and serving each other and serving the community that you have placed around us. And I pray that our love for you would grow. I pray that our love for each other would grow. I pray that our love for the lost would grow. And because of this, I pray that, Our number would grow daily, just like the early church did, Lord. As we open up the Word, I hope that uh, the Spirit would touch our hearts, open our eyes to the truth that we find here, that we would see the reality uh, that Peter is going to preach in this next sermon, uh, that he preaches without fear. Uh, Help us to see the truth in the gospel that he preaches, Lord. We love you. It's in your Son's name that I pray. Amen. So we're going to go through uh, the entirety of Acts chapter 3. Uh, this is uh, best read all the way through the end of chapter 4 as well, uh, but that's just a huge chunk uh, with so much going on. We don't, we're not able to do all of that, so we're going to break this up uh, through a couple of weeks. Uh, but we're going to do the entirety of chapter 3, this morning we're gonna start in, with uh, verses 1 to 10 so follow along with me as we read Acts chapter 3 1 to 10 it says now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon a man who is lame from birth was being carried there he was placed each day at the temple gate called beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple he asked for money Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what happened to him. So in Jewish life, there were three times of prayer every single day. So they would go to the temple every day at 9 a.m., at 12 a.m., and at 3 3 p.m., So in our passage this morning, Peter and John are heading to the temple at the last time of prayer, and on their way there, they encounter this man who cannot walk. He's not been able to walk since his birth. But he's got someone who carries him to the temple every single day, and he begs there every single day at the beautiful gate. And so this beggar is actually very smart because in the Jewish faith, there's three foundations to their faith. Those foundations include the Torah, which is the, the holy book, their worship, and showing kindness. And most of the time, they would show kindness through the giving of alms, which is giving to the poor. And so, with this beggar, when him with him placing himself by the temple, he's hoping to work with people who are intending to go into the temple and worship. So they're experiencing the Torah in the temple. They're experiencing worship in the temple. And he's hoping that that will also generate a a generous income for himself as they either are going in or coming out. Uh, And so smart guy, right? He might be, he, he might be lame, but he's not dumb. Right. And so he's sitting there and he encounters Peter and John. The problem with the disciples is they're broke, right? They don't have any money. They don't have any money, but today he's going to get something better than money, right? He's going to get healed, a miracle. Peter tells him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he reaches down, grabs the man by the hand and pulls him up to his feet. And his response is, is awesome. I would have loved to seen the look on that man's face. I mean, can you imagine, like, Peter says, hey, look at me. The guy looks at him, he's like, money. He goes, I don't have any money. So imagine, no, right? That, that's not what I wanted. It's not what I was asking you for. What could, you, I don't want to talk to you. I want you to pay me. He goes, I don't have any money, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he's like, what? And then he reaches down, grabs him, and pulls him to the feet, his feet. And I'm expe- expecting this in my head. Like, this happens so fast that he doesn't really have a moment to, wait, hold up. No, you know, and the next thing you know, his feet work. Uh, we, we, we don't see this here. We'll see it in chapter 4. But this man was over 40 years old. So he was lame from birth. So for four decades, his feet did not work. And just from speaking through faith in the name of Jesus, he is pulled to his feet by Peter. Can you imagine what that must have been like? So, I mean, you've got Luke who says, you know, he is going through the temple. He says... Walking, leaping, and praising God. Like, can you imagine what that would have looked like? Right? Never using his feet before, and he's leaping into the temple, right? A ballerina going into the temple, praising the Lord as he goes through. He's so excited, right? He is no longer sitting. And I love the past tense that it said. It said they recognized that he was the one who used to sit by the temple gate. He used to sit there, but he's not sitting there anymore because he is healed. It says everyone is filled with awe and astonishment that he's able to walk. And why wouldn't there be awe and astonishment? This is amazing. It's amazing that a man that has been lame from birth is suddenly able to walk. But we can't get too caught up in the miracle, right? I've said this many times, right? There's a hard truth coming for this man, okay? Then the miracle is amazing, but because of the nature of our human bodies, like eventually these legs are going to wear out again, okay? I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, But eventually, these legs that have not worked for 40 years will eventually not work again. His back is going to ache. His hands are going to develop arthritis. His sight will fade. One day, he may have a stroke or be diagnosed with cancer. Right? Like Lazarus is amazing, but one day Lazarus died again. Right. Do we do we remember that? I mean, it's it's amazing that this stuff happens. But even though that he is a walking, literally miracle, eventually all because of all of the the nature of our human bodies, all this stuff is going to go wrong again. The miracle is cool, but the miracle itself doesn't make him right with God. Right? The miracle is cool, does not make him right with God. What does make him right with God? Well, Peter is going to tell us. He's going to tell us, and he's going to tell the crowd that formed because of the miracle. Look at verses 11 to 26. While he was holding on to Peter and John, so he's still a little, still a little wobbly, right? He's not used to being able to walk. It says, while he was holding on to Peter and John... All the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Again, stop for a second. Peter, no longer afraid, takes every opportunity to preach the gospel at every moment. You give him a chance, Peter's preaching the gospel. I love it. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked to have a murderer released to you. You killed the source of life, whom God raised from the dead, we are witnesses to this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets that, this, that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive Him until the time of the restoration of all things, which God spoke about through His holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers, you must listen to everything he tells you, and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have, said, who, who have spoke, spoken from Samuel and those after him have also foretold those days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors saying to Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. Now there is a whole lot going on in this sermon. He, he touches on a lot of things in a very short paragraph um, we're not going to dive deeply into all of it. I could spend five weeks in this sermon alone, just hitting on all of the main points that are in here. We're not going to do that. Um, but before he gets into the sermon, he clarifies that what just happened didn't actually have anything to do with him. Right? He's like, this is not me. Peter and John didn't have any power of their own. Right? So it's not, it's not emanating from him. Like Becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't all of a sudden give us magical abilities. It's not on us. And he said, we don't have any godliness of our own. Right? It's not because I'm better than you that this happened. It's not because John is somehow better than you that this happened. It's not our godliness. Everything that just happened happened because of Christ. Peter said in verse 16, By faith in the name of Christ, the man was made strong. By faith in the name of Christ, the man was made strong. And looking at the words of Peter, even the faith that he possesses came through Christ. Right? He didn't even come to that faith on his own. It came through Christ. The power is from Jesus, and the faith in Jesus also comes from, From Jesus. So Peter is all about Jesus. Right? The man who denied Jesus three times ain't denying Jesus no more. If you'll forgive all the negatives in that sentence. Okay? He is all about him, some Jesus. And then he jumps into this sermon. And here's how it breaks down. He's going to talk about who Jesus is. That's mostly in verses 12 to 18. He's going to talk about what the people need to do with the information. That's going to be roughly 15. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, but 15 specifically and 19 and 20. And then he's going to talk about why it matters in 21 to 26. And so again, this is kind of a, a sweeping outline of his sermon. Okay. So what does Jesus, what does Peter say about Jesus? He says several things. I'm going to hit them very quickly. In verse 13, Peter acknowledges that Jesus is the servant of the Lord. Right? So he's talking to fellow Israelites. He said, as they came up, fellow Israelites. So he's speaking to his Jewish brothers. Okay? So he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant, Jesus. So, He's letting them know through Messianic language that this title refers to the promised servant that was spoken of often in the Old Testament. All right? The most well-known spot that most people, if, they are, if they've ever been to a church during the, an Easter service, uh, Isaiah 53. Right, you, you hear the suffering servant language. Uh, and that's what Peter was talking about when he says that God fulfilled what he had predicted through the prophets that the Messiah would suffer in, in the verse 18. Right? So he's pointing back to Isaiah 53. It would have been very well known for the people there as well. And so he's saying, hey, that servant that the Old Testament talks about, that's Jesus. right? That's him. So Peter also says that that servant is also the source of life. He's the source of life. When Peter says that Jesus is the source of life, he means that Jesus is both the source of physical life and spiritual life. Paul says this in Colossians 1:15 to 15-17. He says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him In heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things are held together. So apart from Jesus, there is no life. Apart from Jesus, there is no physical life or there is no spiritual life. Physically, it is simply by His will that we are in existence. I mean, He created us and He, he sustains us. And without that, like, I don't know what would happen. Like if he just if he just willed us to no longer be alive, I don't know if we would all just drop over dead, if that would mean like our hearts just stop beating. I don't know if it would like look like Avengers Endgame and we all just went up into dust, into nothing. Like I don't know what that would look like. But it is simply by his will that we are held together. And so if he wills it, we no longer exist. And so on top of that, spiritually Jesus is the source of life because He made a way back into our relationship with God. Sin broke that relationship and that broken relationship has led both to our physical death and to our spiritual death. So our sin is rebellion against God and when we rebel against God, it has led to our bodies breaking down, It has led to a broken world and it has led to us being separated from God forever if we don't repent of our sin and turn back. But Jesus makes a way for our relationship to be restored by going to the cross and there he takes on God's wrath for our sin on himself so that we wouldn't have to and then he extends to us his righteousness as a free gift. He says, I'm paying the penalty for you, and here is my righteousness. Take that and offer that to God on on my behalf, for you. So that when God sees you, he doesn't see you, he sees me. So he's the source of spiritual life. This means that the penalty is paid. This is amazing. This means that, first off, God is completely holy and righteous. So He's not going to be in the presence of sin. So judgment is just. Condemnation is what we deserve. And so with Jesus taking on our sin... And being punished for our sin, that means that honors God's holiness and it maintains proper justice. The penalty is paid, but in His love for us, He made a way back to Himself because we couldn't do it ourselves. Right? There's no pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. Dead people don't pull on things. You can't do it. So our sin unplugs us from the source of life. But Jesus' life, death, and resurrection makes a way for us to be plugged back in to the source of life. And that leads into the next one. Peter says that Jesus has resurrected and that he and John have both witnessed the resurrection. They've seen him. Everything about the Christian faith hinges on the resurrection without the resurrection we have no faith if jesus is still in the tomb then that means that his sacrifice on the cross was not accepted he's just another guy this means that we are still lost in our sin and there is no hope for us the apostle paul says it this way in 1 corinthians 15 12 to 19 He says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. The resurrection is everything. It means everything. And they said, "Yes." we have seen him we know that he has been raised from the dead and i i expressed like the reason why peter is so bold is because of the resurrection like i've seen him i know what comes after this and i'm not afraid of you anymore i'm not scared of you anymore that and the holy spirit living inside of him has made peter a beast among men in in the church like you can laugh about Peter's foolishness throughout the Gospels, but Peter in Acts, we can't hold a candle to. I mean, he still makes his mistakes, but this is a new man because of the resurrection. If Jesus rose from the dead, that means that he conquered sin, that means that he conquered death, and he is the first fruit of those who will rise from the dead. And you might say, but, but you mentioned Lazarus before. How can Jesus be the first fruit if Lazarus beat him to resurrection? Lazarus died again. Jesus rose from the dead and he is still alive. He's still alive, but he is at the right hand of the Father waiting for the time when he will return and restore all things. His resurrection ensures our resurrection when Christ returns and and. Returns everything to the way that it was supposed to be to begin with. Like everything is moving back to perfection. It's swirling the drain right now. Can I get an amen? Right? But eventually it will get back to the point where we are back in perfection as we live face to face with our God. And that's the last thing that I'm going to address about Jesus from Peter's sermon. He's coming back again. Verse 21 says that heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. Everything will be restored. In chapter 1 of Acts, we saw Jesus ascend back into heaven for an unknown period of time. We don't know how long this is going to be. But when that time is up, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set everything right. Right? Revelation 21, 1 to 7. Some of the most beautiful verses you will ever read. If you need something to uplift you today, go read that. Right? Verse 8 is a little depressing, but 1 through 7 is very, very uplifting. Jesus is going to come back, he's going to set everything right. And the miracles that Jesus performed while he was here and the miracles that the apostles perform in the books of Acts are simply a foretaste of that restoration, right? Like when Peter reaches down and lifts this man up from the ground and his legs are suddenly restored, it's like God is saying, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's going to be like, but it won't be moving back to, you know, destruction of our bodies. This will be it forever. It's going to be a beautiful thing the lame will walk the blind will see the dead will be raised back to life all the effects of the fall are going to be completely and forever done away with creation will be restored to perfection once again it's going to be amazing amazing so what do the people need to do with this information right what do they need to do with the information that peter has given them well once again, in this sermon, just like the last one, Peter pulls no punches. He does not pull any punches. He tells them, you're the reason that Jesus died. That's your fault. That's on you. You handed him over to Pilate. You denied him when Pilate wanted to release him. You killed the source of life. All right, so there's no tiptoeing through the tulips with Peter anymore. You killed the source of life. The people listening to the sermon are having a line drawn in the sand. Right? There is, that line has always been there. That line has always been there. Okay? They're going to have to determine what they're going to do at this point. Peter tells them they need to repent and turn back so that their sins may be wiped out and so that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's the only way these seasons of refreshing will come. Right? We may get moments of rest, we may get moments of refreshment, but if you want it to last, it only comes through that lasting relationship with the Savior. They must repent. Their sin separates them from the God that many of them would claim to worship. Right? They're at the temple to worship. And yet the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would tell those people to depart from him because he does not know them. Because they have denied the Savior. Right? They have murdered the Savior. Repentance is the only hope for sinful people. It's the only hope for, before a holy and righteous God. Repentance is only possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sin and the last thing that Peter addresses in his sermon is why this matters right in verses 21 to 23 specifically Peter says that Jesus is waiting in heaven for a specific time that we're not aware of but when he comes and he is going to come alright that's one of the things that we have said over and over again that God com- He fulfills all of his promises, all of them. We looked at all the prophecies that he fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, and many of those were thousands of years old. And so, just because he hasn't come back yet, does not mean that we should think that he's not coming back. He's going to come back. When that time comes, when he returns, everything is locked in. Okay? There's no more movement at that point there's no decisions to be made there's no more hope for repentance after that moment in our death everything is locked in we can't pray people out of hell right there's no seeking repentance in hell at christ's return everything is locked in there's no more choices to be made. There's no more opportunity for changing our minds after that. Peter mentions a quote from Deuteronomy 18 uh, from Moses about a prophet that God is going to raise up who will be like Moses. And everyone must listen to everything the prophet tells you. And everyone who doesn't listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. All right, that's God eternal language in it the prophet that Moses is referring to is Jesus and being cut off from the people has eternal consequences when someone is cut off from the people of God that means that they have rebelled against God and they have chosen to remain in that rebellion instead of repenting of their sin and living the way that God has called them to live If people are persisting in their rebellion, one day there won't be any hope for them. One day the hope of salvation is gone. Either that is gone through their death or through the return of Jesus or by the hardening of their heart where the Holy Spirit no longer offers them salvation anymore. It's just no longer there. Nothing can penetrate the hardness of their heart. And this is going to have some hard consequences for Peter and John. All right? We don't see that this week. We're going to see that in chapter 4. There's going to be some difficult earthly consequences as they are arrested for this. But there are going to be some amazing spiritual consequences as more people come to faith as they are presented with their sin, as they are presented with their op- an opportunity to repent and come to faith. And so, application. What do we do with this? Right? Peter's sermon is just as applicable today as it was then. Right? Every single person... In this room and within the sound of my voice online is responsible for the death of Christ. My sin and your sin put Jesus on the cross. Right? God wants a relationship with you. And to get that relationship with you, he was willing to put Jesus on the cross and take the wrath that you deserve, the wrath that I deserve. And he was willing to pour every bit of that out on his son so that you could be restored in relationship, so that you could be plugged back into the source of life. But to do that, we have to repent of our sin. We have to be willing to turn away from our sin and to do everything that the prophet tells us to do. We have to be willing to live the life that God wants us to live, to repent when we fall into sin, but to pursue after the things of the Lord. And so my question for everyone here today is, where are you? Right? Are you in a place where you need to seek repentance and come to the Lord? If that's you here today, don't leave here today without making that right. We don't know the time that we have. I don't say that to scare you. I'm just saying a reality. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know when Christ is going to return. Maybe there's people here today who are followers of Christ and they're living, they're walking a sinful path. Maybe today is the day that you need to repent and turn back, right? Maybe we've just been walking in apathy and we need to shake the rust off and get back into the mission, right? It's time for us to to be people that are on mission for the kingdom of God, right? we need to be making sure that we're pushing back the darkness of this world. We need to be making sure that people are hearing about the glory of God through the beauty of the gospel because we're the ones telling them. God has sovereignly put people in your life because he expects you to tell them about him. And we have to do that. So, where are you today? So, Randy and Hannah are going to do one more song. If you guys have any work that you need to do in your heart, do that work. If you guys need to talk to me, I'll be up here after service. I'll be happy to talk with you, happy to pray with you, whatever you need. All right? Let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful to see how drastically you can change people through the resurrection and the the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful for the lame man who gave us an idea of what heaven's going to look like with the restoration of our bodies. I'm grateful for Peter's powerful sermon. I ask that you would give us boldness to go out and proclaim the gospel in the way that he did. I pray that you would prepare hearts to hear it and that they would respond. Uh, We didn't get to see it this week, but we'll see it next week, how some of them came to faith. And I pray that that would be an encouragement to us and it would give us the, the joy in the Lord to go out and do it again. But I also pray that you would prepare us for the hard times that are coming as Peter and John are going to be arrested. uh, That may be part of our fate as well. We may face persecution. And I pray for strength, whatever that persecution may look like for us. But Lord, if there's anybody here that hears you speaking to their heart, Lord, I pray that today's the day that they would uh, make the leap And that we would see them walking and leaping and shouting the praises of your name just like the lame man. If there's anybody here today that needs to repent of sin and make something right, I pray that today's the day that that happens. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would shake off any apathy that we may have and that we would be faithful to serve you with all that we have. We love you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.